I filming from just outside of Mount Graham, where the Vatican has something called the Lucifer Telescope that's apparently trying to find alien life. Also, a dark mass has been reported to swallow a torpedo from a Navy pilot. So we have to talk about all that and more on today's Peck Report. Hey everybody, hope you are doing well. Josh Peck here. Uh, so I am coming at you today from Tucson, Arizona. Um, and there's a lot I can't say about it, but I can tell you a little bit. So uh, I was asked by a major uh, television network to come out and do an interview. We're right outside of Mount Graham uh, in Arizona, which uh, has, you know, the Vatican has uh, set up an observatory with what's called the Lucifer Telescope. So uh, I can't tell you which channel it is, and I can't tell you what exactly it is. There's just a lot I can't say about it. Uh, but I can, I can say that um, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It, it'll, this will air sometime next year. So uh, keep following me. I'll keep you posted on that as details uh, emerge. But um, it, it's... it's this area is really interesting. So Mount, Mount Graham, for those who aren't familiar, uh, Tom Horn and Chris Putnam wrote an amazing book called Exo Vaticana uh, a few years ago about it. Still extremely relevant today. If you haven't had a chance to pick that up, you should. That was actually the uh, book that really introduced me to uh, Tom Horn's work. And that's been a path I've been following ever since. Um, so what's really interesting, the, the, the Mount Graham area, um, is one of the four most sacred sites in, we would say, the pagan world, but in, in um, ancient Native American history. Uh, and specifically with Mount Graham, there's an ancient Apache creation myth, which is really interesting because it parallels some with the book of Genesis. I mean, there are even some that have uh, tried to go as far as to say that you know, maybe Native Americans worship the same God as Jews do, and they just have different names for it. I don't believe that personally. Um, you know, I mean, I, I believe that, you know, there is one all-creator God. It's, it's Yahweh of the Bible. It's God of Israel, uh, whose salvation plan for humanity includes sending his only son, uh, Jesus Christ, or Yeshua HaMashiach, to, to earth to die for our sins and sacrifice for our sins, uh, that we may be forgiven and reconciled with God. So as far as I know, in these, these ancient Native American um, uh, you know, legends and myths and religions and things like that, they, they, don't, they don't have that same type of story. But there are some interesting parallels, and actually you find this in all cultures around the world. So in, in, the, ancient, in the ancient Apache creation myth, uh, the the creator the, the creator God uh, came down on a on a silvery disc uh, and he and th th this all occurred like right right over Mount Graham you know according to them so uh, they came down on he, he the, this creator God came down on this silvery disc thing um, which some people today, say is you know a ufo or something and you know of course shows like ancient aliens and things like that they take this and run with it and say well see this means that aliens created us and no it doesn't but um anyway but it is it is an interesting fact uh, you know about the myth so um this this creator created humankind 
but then at some point, a, a reptilian type of being came through a, a portal and deceived humankind. Deceived humankind, uh, had them worship false gods, had them uh, you know, create um, just evil acts everywhere. And what's interesting about this is, you know, very loosely, it, it's, it's similar to the book of Genesis. You have the same elements, at least. You have the same elements. So you have, you know, creation that was perfect to begin with. Now, of course, Genesis doesn't say anything about God coming down on a silver disc. But, but uh, you know, you, you have God creating mankind. Mankind is, is perfect to begin with. Uh, but then they're corrupted. They're deceived by a reptilian being. You know, the book of Genesis says serpent, but uh, that Hebrew word is nakash, and it can actually mean uh, a variety of different things. That's probably all true about this creature. And among that is a, a sort of reptilian serpentine uh, appearance. Um, actually, if you just look up nakash, N-A-C-H-A-S, H, H at the end, uh, and Dr. Michael Heiser on YouTube, you'll find some really, really interesting stuff about that if you're interested in what this serpent being was. Um, but so this, this reptilian being uh, deceived mankind, mankind fell away from God, and uh, that's why we're in the, the, the imperfect world that we're in now, why we ourselves are imperfect. Um, the, the interesting thing about that, though, is that basically all ancient cultures have a shared history. They, they have this type of story with these same types of elements. Now the Bible provides an answer for that uh, because according to the Bible um, you had you had that happen, you know, you had the creation and the, the, the fall of man. Uh, then you had a period of time where fallen watchers, uh, fallen angels came down, mated with human women, created these these giants that basically took over the earth and God had to send a flood to get rid of them. Uh, only Noah and his family survived. So after the flood, the earth, fresh, clean slate, and then it's just Noah and his family. Well, of course, they would remember um, all of that. You know, they, they, would have, they would have had those stories passed down to them through oral tradition from Adam and Eve uh, all the way through all these events. So they would still know that history. So then they, they populate. God told them to disperse and go into different areas of the world, but they, they, they don't. You know, mankind stays in one area. And remember, again, they still have these same stories. They would still know about the garden. They would know about the serpent. They would know about the fall of man. Even, even, even the, the, the fallen celestial beings, the fallen angels, and, and them creating unholy creatures, even that is mirrored in other cultures. And why? Because the Tower of Babel incident actually happened. So, um, so you have all, all of the inhabitants of the earth gathered together in this one area led by uh, this guy Nimrod. And Nimrod says, hey, let's build a tower. Let's, let's build a tower up to heaven. Let's enter heaven. And, um, and, and then, you know, we have to go to extra biblical text to see what the really the, the motive was. Uh, you know, essentially, if, if those are to be believed, and I'm not saying that they're canon, I'm not saying that, you know, extra biblical stuff like Jubilees, Jasher, or Enoch are, um, they're not canon, they're not inspired, uh, but it does provide, it does give us kind of a glimpse into what, say, first century, you know, ancient Near Eastern Jewish people would be thinking when they read books of Genesis. You could almost think of it as a commentary, almost, sort of, um, but... Uh, that's probably uh, is probably a little too simplistic, but anyway, but according to that, they they wanted to 
uh, ascend to heaven, kill God, and put up their own idols up there. Which, of course, doesn't make logical sense because the point of an idol is to call down a god into this thing. For a human being to essentially control a god by calling the god down, put it in this idol, and then talk to it and have it do stuff. Um, and so, I mean, if they're ascended into heaven, why would they need the idol? They, the, the gods would just be up there anyway. Uh, so, you know, there, there's, there's things like that that, you know, bear some more study. But anyway, so that was the idea. Um, so they started building this tower. God, you know, decided enough was enough. And uh, apparently they would have been able to actually ascend to heaven at least. Because in Genesis, there's a point in there where God says, you know, look, they're actually going to be able to uh, do all that they have their heart set on doing. Now, of course, they wouldn't be able to kill God. Uh, of course not. But um, at least the, 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 the reaching into heaven aspect of it. Um, apparently could have been done somehow whether through some occult ritual or or some, you know who, who knows the exact method uh but they would have been able to do it somehow so god decides to scatter everybody around um and and listen when that happened when 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 that scattering happened you would still have all these people although now they're speaking different languages that was part of it uh, God scattered them around the earth and made it so they now spoke different languages and nobody could understand each other. Um, but they would still have those stories. But now they would have different types of names for these beings, you know, for the serpent or for the creator God or for any of this stuff. They would have different names, but they would still have the stories. They would still have the history. And if that's true, then we should expect to see common elements in every ancient culture and religion you know we should we should see common elements uh in, in basically all of them and we do uh all, all of these cultures they have the same type of shared history there's there's always a perfect creation to begin with there's some type of reptilian serpentine deceiving uh rebellious spirit or being that 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 causes that convinces mankind to rebel and that, that is the explanation for why the world is in such disarray, why we ourselves are in such disarray. Um, every culture has a flood myth as well. So there is a shared history there. So what does this have to do with the Vatican and Mount Graham? You know, I, I believe that the people who decided to uh, build an observatory there did it on purpose. It's not, it's not just a nice location to view the stars of course there is a scientific reason but you know the catholic church has always had a a, a long-running tradition of building churches and and built building things you know uh on these ancient pagan hot spots you know these these places where in the pagan world they're considered to be um spiritually charged you know the the, the catholic church has always had an interest in, in building things there so you, now you have Mount Graham, the site of this creation myth, the site of uh, this this big deception and everything. And they build an absor ob observatory, not a church, they build an observatory. And they say the official narrative is that they are just, it's just an observatory. It's, it's the clearest spot in the sky. It's great for looking at the stars. You know, there's not a lot of uh, atmospheric, uh, you know, things getting in the way and stuff like that. It's just clear. Um, but... But is there something else going on here? So Tom Horn and Chris Putnam researched uh, this whole thing. They wrote about it in Exo Vaticana. And since then, uh, the Catholic Church has been pretty open about what they're really doing. 
they're trying to make first contact. They're trying to be the first ones to uh, make contact with an alien being. You know, one of them had even told uh, Tom that when they use this telescope, and it, it is called the Lucifer uh, device, um, L-U-C-I-F-E-R. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, you know, it's an anagram for you know, large interferometer. But when you look it up, they actually had to make those characters fit. You know, they had to really force it. Uh, which is which is interesting. Now, the story the, the story that I've been able to find as to why this is is because um, uh, this this device was created in uh, the Max Planck Institute uh, uh, in Germany, and they have been kind of um, antagonistic towards the Catholic Church. So they're the ones that named it, knowing the Catholic Church would have to use it, and they called it Lucifer. So that that's about as far as I've been able to get with that. I don't know why they don't just rename it like. Are they not allowed to do that? I don't. I don't get that. Uh, call it something else. But anyway, so um, but they they've even told Tom that there are times where they try to see the stars and they have to wait for all the UFOs to get out of the way because they're so numerous that they uh, they they can't see the stars through them, which is strange. A very odd comment to make. But you know, of course, there are a lot of sightings here. There's a lot of strange things in this area. Um, so. Uh, I believe that what's going on is not only are they trying to make first content, but they contact, but they have a, a spiritual reason behind this. So to to the Vatican, the Vatican doesn't doesn't see the the alien question in the same way that you know we as Protestants might. Um, and you know, I, sometimes I think like the 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 Catholic Church goes too far with uh, the alien question because they'll say they're uh, they. Are definitely there. They uh, are our spiritual betters. You know, they they're not subject to the curse of Adam with original sin and all that. So they're our spiritual betters. Uh, we can actually gain spiritual wisdom through them and become better Christians ourselves. Uh, and they've even said that they would would want to baptize the aliens and you know into the faith. I think that goes too far. Now on on the other end. Uh, I think we as Protestants don't go far enough, typically, because we're usually content with just saying aliens are demons, and that's it. We don't explain it. We don't show it in the Bible. We don't explain what's going on, typically. Some do. Uh, some will, but it's not a mainstream Protestant thing. You know, ma mainstream Protestantism doesn't really deal with this question. Uh, so, you know, Derek Gilbert and I wrote a book called The Day the Earth Stands Still, which uh, what basically what... Chris Putnam and Tom Horn did with Exo Vaticana uh, on the Catholic end. Me and me and Derek did that on the Protestant end. So we really looked at this question of official disclosure and uh, what it would mean to Christians, to to Protestants, if uh, first contact was made. And I don't think there's a theological problem here. If there, if if alien life was actually discovered, I don't think that renders the Bible, you know, meaningless. Like. The, the Bible just simply doesn't really comment on it much. Now, of course, we get the Nephilim thing. We, we get how there's a connection with that and the hybridization program that's been reported of, of some, uh, from some abduct, abductees who have been taken aboard these ships and they see like this breeding program between the, the so-called aliens and us. Um, and it, it sounds a lot like Genesis 6 stuff, the fallen angels mating with human women, so they draw a connection there. And I get all that, but I don't think that the UFO and alien abduction phenomena, I don't think that that is the same thing as asking does alien life exist out there. I think if it does, that is not what we're seeing in our skies. 
I think what we are seeing in our skies is demonic, and the reason because of that, uh, well, well, e even that is nuanced more than that, though, because it's not, I, I don't, I think some of it is us, some of it is human beings, you know, I think we do have some technology that the general public doesn't know about, so that's part of it. Some of it is misidentification, some of it is extra-dimensional, uh, you know, I think some of it, uh, you know, when we, when we talk about spiritual and extra-dimensional, we're talking about the same thing. So um, I believe, you know, sometimes when an extra-dimensional object or being just happens to cross through our dimension, it, it's going to look like that to us. And th those are those are the, the, the UFOs, quote-unquote UFOs, that um, they can change shape, they shift color, uh, they get real big, they get real small. And I, I've got a lot of stuff on that if you want to look that up. But, but then I think that there is... Um, a vein of this where uh, it is it is demonic and and the reason I say that in the book we we lay out how there's a lot of uh, points of similarity between uh, alien contact alien abduction scenarios and satanic ritual abuse I mean it, it's it's they're, they're basically one-to-one -one. and uh, why would that be so similar unless this was something spiritual so I, I do believe that there's that but uh, so I believe that, you know, on the Protestant side, we, we understand that, you know, pretty well. I wish more of the mainstream Christians would get a hold of it, but that's what we're working towards. Uh, but the, the broader question, could life exist out there? There, there is actually no problem with that. There, there's no theological problem. You could actually make a theological case that there uh, is likely to be life out there on some other planet somewhere. Again, it doesn't mean that that's who's visiting us. I don't believe that at all. Um, but if we ever do discover life someday, that shouldn't be uh, a shock. You know, er early on in Christianity, we were the ones that were at the forefront of this question. But then because of people antagonistic to Christianity, bringing up, uh, bringing up arguments such as, well, doesn't that mean Jesus would have to die in every world? You know, that's not a Christian argument against aliens. That is, a, that is an atheist argument that, that originally came from an atheist who was antagonizing Christians. Um, and the answer is, of course, no. And again, we lay, we lay that out in, in the book as well. Basically, aliens, whether they're intelligent or not, uh, if, if they exist, they would be outside of the plan for salvation of human beings through Jesus Christ. They would be outside of that plan, just like dogs and cats are outside of it too. Uh, now, somebody might say, yeah, but dogs and cats, they're not, you know, intelligent. They're not conscious the way that we are. Uh, you know, what if aliens are? So what if they are? You know, that, that quality of consciousness or intelligence, that quality, that doesn't make somebody made in the image of God. That's not what the image of God is. The image of God is a, is a status uh, specific to human beings and nothing else. So, um, and, and again, you can, you can go in the book, The Day the Earth Stands Still, to get more information about that. But, but the main point is, that what, what Catholics are doing, I think they're too quick to accept basically an alien savior. Uh, there, there have even been some Catholics who, would, who have said that uh, the reason that they're looking for aliens is because they believe the second coming of Jesus Christ will be in the form of an alien being. That when the aliens finally arrive, that is the second coming of, of Jesus Christ. You see, you see how insane this can kind of get. Um, obviously, there's no theological basis for that theory. It, it's 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 blasphemy, really. Um, but some have gotten so far into it. The Vatican has got so far into it that that is that could be why they want to make first contact, so they can be the one to usher in the second coming of Christ. Uh, and then one of the darker things that I've heard is uh, they believe that there will be an alien takeover. 
you know, it's the second coming of Christ, there's going to be a, a, a quote-unquote battle of Armageddon type scenario, uh, and the Catholics want to be on the side of the aliens, of, of, of their version of second coming of Christ. Now, of course, not all Catholics believe that. That's a very small fringe minority. Um, but it seems like those at the Vatican, uh, specifically around you know Mount Graham, who have interest in the, the Lucifer device, it seems like that that's what they're after. So very, very, very strange. But that's why I'm here. Again, I can't tell you the uh, can't tell you the the network that invited me out. It's a major network. You, you, you'll you'll know it immediately. Like if I were to say it, you would know it immediately. Um, um, I've been on the History Channel before, so I can say it's not the History Channel. Um, but I, I actually like that these these networks are kind of branching out and trying to get more Christian voices in. And the, the way that this episode seems to be constructed. Uh, it, it'll it'll be like that, and you know some say, well, Josh, what if they edit you out of context? Oh, well, they probably will. I mean, they they have a narrative they want to push, I'm sure, and they, I, that probably will happen. But imagine how effective that something like that could actually be with Jesus behind it. Because let's say they edit me totally out of context. Let's say they edit me to make it sound like that I'm saying the second coming of Christ is going to be an alien or something. Uh, well, the people who are interested in that right now. They'll, they'll see me, they'll see my name, they'll see my book, uh, or, or they'll see some, some kind of identification of, of who I am. Uh, and then they'll go, and, they'll go and look me up. And then they'll find, oh, actually, Josh has some really interesting things to say that's even more interesting than that. And this rings more truthful because it is. Um, and, and, and then they'll be exposed to you know, more stuff that I put out there that's, that's gospel-centered, that's Jesus-centered, you know, that's, that's theologically correct. Uh, and, you know, I've written enough about it and talked enough about it. It would be very easy for people like that to find. So if, if, if somebody now on the other end, people might say, yeah, but what if somebody loses their faith because of what, what you say? Well, look, if somebody is that, if somebody is truly like a, a Christian, like a strong Christian, if they see one guy say one time on one show where it's clearly edited that he didn't say that, uh, that says that Jesus is an alien, and that is enough to shake their faith. Well, they, they've had problems with their faith long before I even came into the picture. So I, it, it's, it's, like that, it's like that parable of the seeds, you know. Some are going to fall onto rocky ground. Some are going to get planted and sprout. Some aren't going to sprout at all. Uh, it, it's kind of like that. We do the best we can uh, with what we have. And with these major networks, even though typically they, they do have a habit of editing us Christians out of context, uh, still, it's not about... It's not about it's not about getting uh, that exactly right or being nitpicky about that. It's like, okay, what, what, could, what could come from this? Could people listening to that, that audience, I mean, that's the audience that we're after, right? Um, we, we don't want to be, if, if we want to take the Great Commission seriously, we don't want to just stay in our own bubble and then not ever talk to the outside world because we're afraid they might misrepresent us. I fully expect to be misrepresented. Um, it's fine. That's not my sin to commit. You know, that, that's, that's theirs. So that's on them. Uh, but if, if they do that, they'll have to answer to God for that someday. Um, but if they do that, it could have the reverse effect that their own audience who's interested in this stuff could get inspired to look up my stuff now or anybody else's who chooses to do these types of interviews. Uh, and, and then they can get a good dose of the gospel. So uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not questioning how Jesus can use this. I'm just taking opportunities as they come. You know, I've even said before, I, I, would, I would go to the biggest New Age conference in the world and speak at it if they invited me to do so. And if 
um, I was allowed to say what I wanted to say. You know, if they were like, yeah, but we want you to preach New Age, then then it's pointless. But um, if I was allowed to say what what I wanted to say, and uh, so during the the interviews, I was allowed to say everything I wanted to say. I was able to explain things clearly, um, and you know, we we filmed all day. It was great. Uh, but again, just just uh, follow me, and I'll I'll keep. You know, I'll keep you up to date as soon as I can. Tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is, but I can't. I can't yet. So, uh, look forward to that. Okay, we're gonna go to this story about um, this this dark being, this this dark mass that came up from the ocean depths and swallowed a, door, a torpedo. And this came directly from a Navy pilot. We're gonna talk about that. But before we do, you are going to have to become a member if I can find the screen. There it is. Yeah.